Okay. Back. Welcome, Welcome back. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> now it doesn't want to use my main uh, camera, so you get this view of me. Yep. This is. Um, I hopefully the uh, the curse of the podcast is just this digital one uh, because. One of my friends who's been on the show uh, got COVID and had to cancel one of the uh, podcasts. Uh, oh, another guy sprained his like ankle and was out for like a few days, and that was <laughs> on the day of one of these. Uh, so you know, hopefully that's that's it, uh, and we're good. <laughs> I think so, and I think Audacity is going to work now too. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, we closed everything else. <laughs> Nothing else is open. So. <laughs> Perfect. This computer can stream and do so many things, and then two browsers opened at the same time, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and everything froze. Yep, the uh, computers. Um, so, so yeah, so this this isn't a news podcast, but I thought I'd briefly mention, um, and we're not sponsored either, but I have ground news, and uh, the impeachment thing just went ahead. It was like everybody on the Republican side voted for it. Uh, so that's going to happen. Um, yeah, fun times to try to try to impeach Biden. Yeah, for what? Um, to to make things even so that both candidates have been so impeached. They, yeah. so, so they get a point on their side. Yeah, this will absolutely ruin uh, any chance of Hunter Biden becoming president. It's it's terrible. Oh shit. <laughs> uh, I guess one uh, that just reminded me: is this a family friendly podcast? Uh, no, we can drop as many f bombs as we want, as long as I tick okay. that little that little check mark when I upload. Okay, I just didn't know if I should censor myself. Oh yeah, no worries. Uh, sometimes we manage not to swear for a whole episode, but it's not on purpose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I guess um, I and usually we start like before we actually start. So I think we I want to leave in that that impeachment stuff just because it's like it's silly, it's you know random. Um, so yeah that's um, crazy yeah that's absolutely crazy yeah we we I live in know. wacky times that's for darn sure <laughs> uh yeah the old curse right may you live in interesting times yeah yeah exactly <laughs> these are interesting times yep it's it reminds me of a quote that i heard it's like it's not just one event after the other the damn things overlap absolutely yeah yep. So uh, I guess we'll do uh, we'll do intros first. So this is uh, the Hypotheticals podcast, and we have a brand new guest host. Um, I am Rob. He him. And uh, you can and go by your 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 secret oh. name because you're in witness protection. If you want, <laughs> uh, I'm Isherwood eighty one. He him. Uh, you can call me John too. It's fine. My name's out there. Okay. Cool. So um, yeah. We, we already gave away the plot. Um, he, you're actually not in witness protection. Uh, and I like to give a shout out for people who actually have an online presence. Um, you stream Mario Maker as well as some other uh, Nintendo and non-Nintendo games, uh, which is which is always fun on Twitch. Um, so if you're if you're in South Korea, you're screwed. But uh, if not, you can watch that stream. Um, I'm I feel bad. We've made some good friends from South Korea over the years. Right. Yeah. They, do you, did you hear why they're dropping? Uh, uh, they said it was prohibitively expensive for uh, for server upkeep or something there? Yeah, because well, it's, it's service, because uh, it, it turns out that in South Korea there's a law that basically lets ISPs double dip. They can charge the sender and the receiver of data. Oh. 
Yeah. It's, it's, that's good for them. It's, it's great for them. And that's why America <laughs> wants it so bad. I bet they do. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, if this is your first time listening, uh, maybe um, Ish has shared that information with you, uh, hopefully. Because uh, I don't have any more new people on my end. Like, I'd have to start advertising. <laughs> like, paying <laughs> someone to do it. Um, but otherwise, uh, yeah, we, we take, uh, sometimes serious, sometimes very not serious questions, uh, and answer them. And again, with the lowest level of effort, um, because we, we do not believe in research, uh, for this podcast, uh, but we will Perfect, potentially, I did none. Perfect. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're prepared by not preparing. I'm ready to go. And I was late. So I think we're, we're, uh, <laughs> we're good to go here. Exactly. We are, we are on brand. Um, so you got to choose the topic because this is your first time here. So, uh, if you want to just mention what the topic is and then we can get into it. Uh, the topic was, and I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but, uh, what if, what if humans lost the ability to taste things or what if food had no flavor? Now I can't remember exactly which one of those two are, is the question. Yeah. So, um, that, there's that they're almost the same thing but there is a distinction um so i'm gonna pardon me go with the uh the losing the ability to taste because there's some other interesting things that we might be able to add on to because of that yeah um so yeah so what was what was your like initial thought when you thought of that question or when you read it uh well i mean my original thought was that would suck it, it would <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. would drastically change the quality of life for so many people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I really hate the term foodie, but I'm definitely mm-hmm. a, a food centric person where a food enthusiast, you know, a food enthusiast. Yes. I like to eat. Do you like to eat food? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, my girlfriend and I like to travel. And the first thing we do when we're going to travel somewhere new is look up uh, good restaurants in that area or new cuisine that we might not have tried or something like that. Um, a lot of our travel is based around food or, you know, going to, to places that are known to have good food culture or, Mm -hmm. you know, good options for, for eating. Uh, so yeah, my first thought was that would be absolutely terrible. Yeah. So, I mean, adding on to that, because that's kind of what we do. We like bounce ideas off each other. Um, that means that theoretically there would be an entire um, like therapy industry around dealing with not being able to taste food anymore. If this happened all of a sudden, right? Like exactly. we wake up tomorrow, nobody worldwide can can taste anything anymore. Yep. Ooh. So I had been thinking about it more from the aspect that you just never had the ability to taste, but losing oh, the wow. ability to taste completely. That's even worse. Yeah, that is even worse. Knowing what you'd be missing out on. Oh man. So I just I just ate because uh, I was running late and I grabbed some McDonald's, which is flavorsome. I can yep. still taste the quarter pounder. Yep. Uh, you know, and it tasted good. It's not great food, but it tasted good. Um, and then waking up tomorrow and not being able to taste a, a greasy burger ever again would be. It would be a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, there's... And um, speaking... So we're talking about, like, the mental effects of it, but it reminds me of this really weird book that I read um, where everyone lost the ability to sleep. 
and hmm. there was like a group of scientists who were doing like sleep research and they knew which parts of the brain to activate to get people to sleep so they were able to save themselves from going nuts by like putting an implant in that they could just switch off and then someone else could turn them off to go to sleep and then turn them back on like eight hours to wake <laughs> them up so there could be like a brain chip industry where it's like you could basically stimulate your brain to taste foods again the yeah the uh, artificial <laughs> like serious actual artificial flavors right yeah. your brain is is creating the flavor for you yep that's interesting oh man you could like download little service packs of food <laughs> uh how quickly before that would be completely monetized oh man it like what what other industries like quickly monetize when they became like practical um like like fmris are getting there where we'll be able to tell when people are lying just by reading their brain like with 90 percent accuracy um so i'd say probably like the the brain implant part will be like the hardest part so probably it would it would still be like lag time i'd bet like five or ten years because they'd really be Mm -hmm. pushing stuff through because like you said people would know what they're missing Right. Um, so that would be a huge thing. I mean, there'd be worldwide depression on scales that are even greater than there are now. Oh, yeah. And we're already running out of therapists. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, food's one of the few small pleasures that I think a lot of us even have most of the time. Mm. Yeah, because you can you get know, food that tastes good and is cheap. Yeah. Or, you know, cooking is therapy or maybe on the weekend you barbecue or you get a pizza you treat yourself for making it through the week um those kind of things are food is is a major reward for a lot of humans right it's one of the kind of affordable rewards we can give ourselves on a regular basis mm-hmm. yeah do you think it would impact um like like group gatherings because usually you know you go out to have a meal together yeah absolutely or you have people over and you cook for them Mm-hmm. Uh, right is a way to show hospitality and and your love for one another what what would you so i guess that leads into another question about this is what would people eat would we still eat the same food and just not be able to taste it or i imagine at some point we would stop caring so much about what the food was or used to taste how the food used to taste right and start caring more about the nutrition of it or how it made us feel after we ate it yeah so theoretically that's like a really good point like um people would like first of all the hot sauce industry would be screwed right um (laughs) and um yeah like it seems like this is a weird tangent but uh did you ever watch star trek d space nine i did not so it's not really a spoil for anything if you ever do plan to watch (laughs) it but um there was this alien species that basically genetically modified other species to serve them. And one of them was like this tree dwelling type primate species. And they never enhanced their ability to taste things beyond like simple roots and nuts. Um, so instead of having flavor be the driving thing, uh, for them, for food, it was like textures. Mm. So like, Maybe maybe that would kind of happen with us. Maybe people who couldn't afford the brain implant would just like certain foods um, that, that feel different. 
Right. Yeah. That, I had thought of that too, you know, in the past couple of days, kind of thinking about this topic of what would we look for in food if we couldn't taste it anymore? And I think texture plays a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even now, texture is a big part of why people dislike a lot of foods, I think. For, oh, yeah. for me in particular, I've got a texture thing with several different foods that I might eat otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mushrooms is, is a big one. Yep. Um, oysters. And I know a lot of people, <laughs> oysters, yeah, kind of those slimy, gelatinous foods that a lot of people don't like, natto or, you know, things like that. Um, but would we try to make foods have even more texture, maybe? That's a good point. And um, as we get closer to like 3D printing foods, you could just, you could probably do that with a whole bunch of different types of things. And uh, mm-hmm. they could be like, like you said, made to be nutritious because you wouldn't care if it tasted good or not. Right. Yeah. Do you think it would ultimately lead to people being healthier? That's a good question run? because I think the answer if you mean get the right amount of nutrition and potentially calories, yes. Um, but the flavor of food, the enjoyment of it is a huge motivator. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would be mal- malnourished just because they didn't want to make the effort to eat. Right. They're not getting that reward. It's not triggering the pleasure centers at all. Exactly. It'd be like, right. so imagine if you had yeah, to eat a pack of peanuts three times a day. <laughs> I would not want to eat those three times a day. Yeah, exactly. Let alone one time a day, right? I'd have to force myself just to make it. Yep. Just to get enough maybe to make it through the day. Yep. And then there's like, um, there, there's like a, I didn't even think of it until like just now. Um, we can taste things that warn us that they're bad for us, right? Um, yep. You wouldn't have that anymore. So you might not necessarily know that a spoiled food is fo- spoiled. Right. I thought about that this morning in the shower, actually, because I had I had a, uh, um, a a dish earlier this week or late last week um, that had shrimp in it. It is a really good dish from a restaurant that we've eaten at a lot of times. I ate one of the shrimp and I could tell right away that it was not a good shrimp. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, well, there's this one shrimp that was not good. I I ate half of the next shrimp that was in the dish and I said, no, these shrimp are off. There's something wrong. It, it tasted way too fishy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, immediately was like, nope, I'm not going to eat any more of these shrimp. If I couldn't taste them, I wouldn't have known that. Yeah, right? exactly. So you, maybe you I would have continued to eat them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't get sick from it, uh, but who knows if I would have eaten, you know, all six or eight shrimp or whatever was, was in the, the stir fry. Would I have gotten sick from eating that many of them? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's. So what else? Um, but yeah, like eventually, you'd think society would get used to it. But like one of the things that would kind of like really mess with people is trying to figure out why it happened. Mm-hmm. Right, because. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no! Just yeah, you all of a sudden have major food poisoning or you're maybe you don't even know it's food poisoning you're just terribly ill all of a sudden and, oh yeah uh, that's you, you don't correlate to something that you ate a few days ago that maybe seemed a little off at the time yep right yeah but there's also the, like the, the bigger side of that which is 
as a society, we'd wonder why we lost the taste ability to taste. Mm. Um, and I got you. It would be super confusing because I don't know if you know this, but like smell and taste are like ninety percent the same sense. Right, and that that actually brings me to a question that I had too. Not to get off on a tangent from what you were just about. No, to bring we, up, we're but... absolutely doing tangents. <laughs> but what? How is this tied with the ability to smell? Right? Can we still smell things like spoiled milk? Right. So that's a good question, and I thought for the sake of this that we would decouple them, which would be even more confusing to the world um, because people would, would know right away, wait, why can we still smell things? Um, and that's another thing, like would, um, would we try to make foods more pungent because the smell would be the only thing that like other sense that we could enjoy it with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we, if we still had the, the ability to smell, and yeah, like you said, smell is tied to like what ninety percent of your flavor perception or something like that. Yep. Then is this as dire as we're making it out to be? So, as far as because when you when it comes when it comes to detecting um, food that's not good for you, um, it would be it would be less of an impact, right? Because you're right with with certain foods they smell bad when they taste bad mm-hmm. um but that doesn't rule out things that are like odorless but would have a taste like not that anyone would be not that the amount of poisonings would go up or something um <laughs> but you know certain chemicals you might not be able to detect uh anymore right. yeah huh well, and you, you mentioned, too, p- people wondering why this had happened to us, right? We wake mm-hmm. up tomorrow and nobody can, can taste anything anymore. Uh, I, I would have to imagine that the vast majority of people in the world would think it was some sort of punishment from a god or some sort of religious punishment, right? That is a very <laughs> good point. Yes. I didn't even think of I mean, that. I mean, that's, that's typically kind of the go-to for a lot of people when something unexplainable happens. Yep. But I would I would love to <laughs> to hear some of the ridiculous takes that some religious like like not regular religious people but you know the ones that go overboard <laughs> for like showmanship like yes. it's like um, you know someone say like you know they really tried the the power of God when they made Doritos Locos Tacos they went too far. <laughs> too many flavors in one taco yes (laughs) you were tempting the gods with that one (laughs) yes it's it's like (laughs) it's like the old meme that like uh one single bag of doritos has more flavor than an 1800s puritan has in taste in their entire life (laughs) yep absolutely (laughs) yeah it it really should have stopped it you know three million scoville units or whatever that hot sauce didn't need to go up (laughs) any higher than that You've been uh, you've been playing with <laughs> you've been playing with a uh, with fate this whole time. Yep, I don't know if they're actually to the point of gene editing, but like they're they're pretty close. Like uh, they're pretty sure they're splicing um, like plants to because I think they're up to five million now. It's 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 crazy. Oh wow. Yep. And that's that's a thing too because you said earlier the hot sauce industry would be out of business if people couldn't taste. But I wonder there's a sensation from hot sauces too there's not just flavor right there's physical sensations from it 
That's a good point. I sort of lump them in together, but pain receptors aren't taste receptors. So so maybe they they would skip over like a certain range of hot sauces because it wouldn't be mm -hmm. that much of a, a sensation. Right, so, your tapatillos, your cholulas or whatever probably exactly. aren't going to do too much if you can't taste them. But those, you know, butthole pucker 8,000 whatever <laughs> bottles right. that people get. Uh, I mean, you taste that stuff, you start sweating, you start coughing. Yep. Uh, there's physical sensations to it that maybe those would become even more popular. Yeah, so Old El Paso and Sriracha goes out of business, but these guys are just <laughs> raking in money. Right, yeah, the ones with the... Uh, <laughs> with the genetically modified yeah whatever ghost pepper x or whatever they call them yep um so the 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 religion angle is really interesting but i went in the complete opposite like science angle um because there's like this really weird thought experiment that's really grim but i thought it was like uh interesting um the you've heard of the idea of like the multiverse where there's just like mm -hmm. yeah so there was this case that's a thought experiment that somebody had it's like imagine that you were um at a table and um there's a there's, like you're taken prisoner there there's a guy with a gun pointed at you and he says if you flip this coin a hundred times and it's tails every time you live and in the multiverse that happens somewhere right they do it a hundred times um, so some people might think, well, this is such a rare event for like literally every human to lose their sense of taste, um, that, that we have to be in a multiverse because it's just statistically yeah. so low. Yep. And then thus proving the multiverse theory. For yeah, a lot essentially. Of people, right. Exactly. W what would have had to happen to make our universe change though so drastically and not have been like that from the get-go right exactly because it's it's even ridiculously rarer for it to happen at a certain point in a universe uh and because of like this weird like theory that i can't remember the name of um that you'd be alive during that um, there's like this really weird, I'll explain. There's this really interesting theory that talks about, um, no, I'm not talking to you, you stupid iPhone. Um, <laughs> so there's this really interesting idea where they're talking about, um, you're more likely to be living in like us, like the final days of humanity, because, um, if you think about, there's been about 110 billion people who've ever been alive. Mm -hmm. and the 8 billion people that are alive are such a small sliver of that. And it's so like people living a hundred thousand years ago or 50,000 years ago, humans were so rare back then that they were occupying right. like a special point in human history. Mm -hmm. So as time goes on, there will be more people. So you'd expect in like a hundred years, most of the people who would ever be alive at one time will be alive. Right. And, and people then, live longer now than they did. 100,000 years ago too. Exactly. It also increases your chances to be alive now versus then. Yep. And that makes uh, sense. So so like it's it's sort of that mentality 
when it comes to like thinking how rare it is for us to lose our sense of taste. Um, yeah, I know it's a weird right. analogy, but yeah. No, I, I, I get it. I, I think I get what you, what you mean. It's you're more if that was to happen, if everybody was to lose their taste, you are more likely to be alive during that happening than not, because exactly just the chances to be alive at this point in time are greater than they were yep. early on in, in human evolution. Exactly. Interesting. I had never heard that theory, but that makes, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And it makes sense that I think you said, and maybe I added my own interpretation to this, but that you're more likely to be living at the end of, of a society or is that maybe yeah. you didn't word it exactly like that. But right, because population growth explodes, explodes, explodes. Yep. And at a certain point, it stops exploding, right? Like it, <laughs> humans aren't going to get to the point where there's just 100 billion alive on the planet at any given time, right? There's a maximum of humans that can be alive on Earth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we might be very close to it. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of interesting things around that. Um, and I'm okay with going on tangents because these are like cool topics. And then I'll, I'll wrap around to like the next thing that could happen with the whole taste bud thing sure. um, because there's this other thing which has been kind of debunked um, but it's still an interesting idea that if we survive to get off the planet then we actually do live in a unique period in history where the population is low because someone said like we could have like a trillion trillion people in the um, the galaxy that we're in if we're able to to spread out and sure. it's part of the have you ever heard of the effective altruism movement <laughs> so the yeah. idea is that you should do everything you can to make sure that humanity survives now because anything that you do now is going to have massive repercussions for people um but at least to some like very dumb places it's like oh you have to like <laughs> you know harm 50 million people to save a trillion people and uh it's it's not a good way of thinking, um, right. so, but it is an interesting thought experiment. Huh. Yeah, I have not heard of that. Uh, say it for for me again, one more time. The uh, the name of that theory. Oh, um, it's tied to effective altruism. So if you find effective that, altruism. okay, yeah, yeah, I want to look that up a little bit. Cool. That sounds that sounds interesting. So the, the next thing that I was thinking of with like this topic is um, if everyone loses their sense of taste who is alive at a particular time, do people born after that have their sense of taste again? Because um, it's interesting to look at it from either way. And I think it's oh, more sure. interesting to look at it from the, set, the, fact, the idea that they do get their tastes back. Uh, sorry, not oh, back, man. but like new generations do how jealous would we all be of the youngsters then right like we're not already right <laughs> yep. well at least you have your youth and the ability to taste back yep. in my day <laughs> <laughs> oh man and then there's a whole industry of of zoomer <laughs> just right from my perspective of zoomer generation based restaurants and food that none of us in maybe an older generation understand anymore right and all, all of our children and grandchildren are talking about flavors that we never heard of and never got to experience yeah <laughs> that's terrible 
but it would be so funny to like realize it slowly because like you'd be feeding your kid food it's like why aren't you eating this thing it's nutritious it it has the great texture <laughs> it's got it's got the texture that we all like and yeah. all the nutrition to get you through the day <laughs> yeah <laughs> by the time they're about eight or nine they're they're off with their friends you know in some alley trying some bootleg pixie sticks or something (laughs) (laughs) oh man can you imagine the laws that they might try to pass at first it's like no you can't have you know like things with these ingredients because uh you know uh, what reasons would they make up Um, well i mean even now they some places try to limit like the sizes of of soft drinks right or something like that because of sugar content right if we got to the point where we really were making food just based on nutrition and mm-hmm. uh you know making healthy sustainable food that would that would get us through it would probably be easier then to to kind of enact those laws that people have been trying to enact for the past you know however many years yeah yeah Oh, you just made me think of something huge. Um, so there's certain foods, f- additives, right, that are also going to be totally messed up. Like the corn industry is just going to be yep. wiped out. There won't be any subsidies anymore. Uh-huh. Or there yeah. will, and they'll have to come up with a completely ridiculous reason. Like we'll just switch to biofuels 100% because the corn industry must be satiated. <laughs> must be saved, yeah. You, you ruin the whole economy if we can't grow corn anymore. Right. Uh, yeah, and all the, I mean, I worked for a brewery and mm-hmm. we made some seltzers and you order flavors. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but when you get like LaCroix or, you know, some sparkling seltzer or a hard seltzer, I object to Corey doesn't have flavor. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It it has a whisper of flavor. Yeah. Uh, You're literally buying in a jar of flavoring and putting that in the vat to mix with everything else. Yep. So there's a whole industry right there that of the artificial flavor industry that no longer has any purpose. That's a really good point. Um, And speaking of, I mean, you mentioned beer, but there's also like cocktails What's the point? Yep. You know? Yeah. Vodka would make a killing. (laughs) (laughs) Vodka's finally flavorless, like they've all claimed all these years. (laughs) Uh, I I was thinking about that earlier, too, because I was thinking about a nice, dry, dirty martini. Mm -hmm. And how, you know, the, the point of that... Right, there's alcohol that makes you feel good, and a martini certainly makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I would want a martini over any other cocktail is specifically for the flavor. Right. And so, yeah, I guess real cheap alcohol would probably make a a, a killing, and the higher end stuff would wouldn't be needed anymore, right? That's true. Um, so the high end would either they would die off completely or they'd have to like they'd have to do something really weird because you'd have like bottles of it right so they might make it so that like it's hard to forge the bottles and then you just have like bottles of it in like rich people's houses um, mm-hmm. the thing is that like either they'd have to make technology that would make like refilling it impossible otherwise people would just like fill it with you know like <laughs> fake you know cheap liquor right 
some grain alcohol. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, th- and uh, that's an interesting thought too. Is that rich people would still want to have that ex- exclusivity, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they want it now. They want a thousand dollar bottle of wine or whatever that that most people can't get. Um, yeah. The scarcity of it, right? So would. And same thing with food, right? You go to a Michelin star restaurant, you're going to pay three, four hundred dollars for yeah, the experience. The restaurant industry, yeah. Are people still going to do that just to show that they can, and they're going to go there and get a maybe a twelve course texture <laughs> tasting right. menu, um, or do those kind of higher end restaurants also take a big hit? That's a really good. Yeah, I mean that. It I feels mean restaurants like in general to. too, right? Yeah. Because it'd be like yeah. a, a giant like um, gulf between like high end restaurants. All the all the mid tier ones would probably disappear, um, and then you'd have. See, the thing is, it wouldn't be for the te- like the the food, um, like quality or, or maybe maybe look would have some value, but it would be like the the major thing would be hey, you're saving time cooking, so maybe that maybe that actually that would be. Um, a good benefit so maybe instead of like um restaurants it would sort of be like vending machines like the, the food vending machine industry would explode because <laughs> you know it'll just prepare the food for you and then you're done right uh or would we need to prepare food at all or would we get to some point where we're literally drinking like soylent type you know mm. some sort of protein shake or huel or whatever these things are right. that, you know the tech bros are all I'm just going to drink this one shake and get all the protein I need. And I don't care about flavor and it's a waste of time to cook anything. Yeah, exactly. It's that like, industry would probably boom. Yeah. It, I just thought of an analogy. Um, art is to NFT as food is to fuel. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. <laughs> oh man. I, I still think speaking about like the gulf between, you know, poor middle class and like upper class, I still think there's a major industry of people that just want the prestige of being mm. able to pay for somebody else to make them food that maybe looks way different than other people's food now looks. Yeah. Because you know, if you're drinking some gray, sludgy protein shake and that's all you need, mm-hmm. but you've got you know, your neighbors down the street have millions of dollars and they're going out to get a, a 12 course texture and, and, uh, presentation. Right. <laughs> menu. You know, they're, they're taking that same protein sludge, but they're making it look like a swan that you can eat or something. You know? Yeah, exactly. I imagine there'd be a whole industry that would pop up around what the food looks like, even if it's the same base food that everybody's eating. Yep. Yeah, I just had a wild idea because, like, I was thinking, what are the other things that you could have in the experience of eating? And, like, you could gamify it, right? Like, so eating something becomes like a game. Um, like, what do you call it? You know the, you know those uh, things where, like, you squirt water into um, those, like, funhouse, like, things uh, where, like, you knock things down by shooting water into the mouth of them? Like uh-huh. carnival games, right. uh, doing that with food, 
It's like, yeah, we're going to the food entertainment center. <laughs> knock, knock it down and get a a protein shake that looks different, or no? I mean, what's, like what's the actual your... the actual act of it uh, is the entertainment portion of eating now. Oh, like getting it squirted into your mouth rather than is that what you mean? Exactly. Um, or like you instead of like cooking food, you basically have like food sculpting courses and then you could just like see who wins the award for the best looking food. Right. Yeah. I think the visual representation of food would, I mean, we already eat with our eyes, right? And there's mm -hmm. already a massive industry built around what food looks like and making it look different than it normally does and things like that. Uh, yeah. I think that would be a primary way that we would still derive pleasure from our food. Yep. Well, did you hear about um, that there's like behind the scenes stuff for food commercials? Like, you know, how oh, yeah. you know how they make cereal look good. It's in Elmer's glue, right? Yep. <laughs> Elmer's glue instead of milk. Yep. And you know how they make uh, burgers look, you know, like big and juicy. I have seen it, but I, I don't recall. Vaseline. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I was surprised. I watched one of those behind the scenes videos and I was surprised yep. at how much Elmer's glue is being used by the food, <laughs> <laughs> the food photography industry. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it turns out milk looks gray on camera. Who'd have thought? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, you're shooting the same bowl of cereal for 30 minutes. It's, you don't want to swap it out every two minutes because it's gone soggy. Yeah, exactly. And um, <laughs> depending on the food, um, you know, they have bright overhead lights. It might melt mm -hmm. stuff. Or, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, I just thought of something, too. Would we still consume animal products if we couldn't taste things? Mm. Would there be a, a movement, a more, more of a movement towards plant-based or even uh, lab-grown um, foods. Yeah, that's a good point because you wouldn't have to match uh, the flavor anymore. You'd have to match the texture and the color, right? The look mm -hmm. of it. Which they're getting pretty good at. Oh, yeah. Like you can't tell, like I can't tell, like an impossible Whopper from a regular Whopper. Yeah, they're, pr they're pretty dang close. Yep. And uh, I just recently watched a video where they, the, the very first um, like lab-grown burger I think it cost like it was either a quarter or half a million dollars and now mm -hmm. it's down to like 17 bucks a pound. Oh wow. So yeah, they're they're getting close. Yeah, and that's what I was just going to say too is this, the thing that still prevents I think most people from ordering an impossible Whopper is that I think it's still like a dollar two more than regular Whopper, right? Right. I I don't know. I haven't I haven't looked, but I think it it was the last time that I saw a menu with one on it. Mhm. Mm but yeah, once that price gets down below the price of beef, and if there's not any incentive anymore to raise cattle to slaughter for for food purposes, it would cross that plane pretty quickly, right? The the lab-grown stuff. Yep. The effort going into lab-grown stuff would increase, I mean, dramatically. Yeah, because and like... And then the cost would come way down. Yeah. Yeah, because you'd lose the competition of, you know, like, oh, it's grass-fed beef. It's like, well, who cares? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the only reason I eat grass-fed beef is because it tastes better than 
whatever other supermarket beef there is. Yeah, exactly. I think it's better for me too, but who knows? Yeah. So that would be an interesting, like, to to use a, a common phrase, a cultural war thing between generations. Um, like, would older generations try to restrict knowledge of certain types of food so that they could keep the systems that they have in place? Because mm. the people in power would be the ones who wouldn't be tasting anything. So it's like, we, well, we'll dictate what things you have access to. Right. We don't want to let those... <laughs> We don't want to let those youths know how good cow tastes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh no, they've acquired the taste of cow. <laughs> oh man. Well, and if we're not growing, if we're not rearing cattle on however many millions of acres we are, mm-hmm. you know, over, over the planet, not just in America, but I know that a massive amount of our greenhouse gases and stuff come from cattle farms, right? Oh yeah. It may be not just the farms themselves, but transportation and, and storage, refrigeration. I mean, we'd be making lab grown meats that maybe don't require refrigeration. Right. Yeah, because they'll keep themselves alive. All that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That don't require all that um you know, you don't have refrigerated trucks tri- crisscrossing all across America delivering food to people. Yeah. So do we do you think you know the the cynical part of me doesn't think this would be true but do you think that would lead to a more utopian society where we are more aware of our how our actions are affecting the earth that's a good question um and i think i'm with you like um i don't think as a species we're introspective enough to to like do that so i think any benefits we'll get i think we will get benefits um, but I think they'll be accidental and then possibly once they're ingrained enough, they'll just like self-perpetuate like mm-hmm. at a certain point, if, if you've been exposed, it's like, you know, the old Coke, new Coke problem. Um, if, if they do marketing the same way that like old and new Coke did, um, they could just convince people to continue to, to have more sustainable food, uh, and, and basically convince them that, no, they don't like the thing that they like, right? Right, yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it really all comes down to who's making the most profit and mm-hmm. how that profit's made, right? If we're looking at this at a, a realistic standpoint, particularly in, I mean, thinking from my perspective as an American, right? Mm-hmm. Who stands to gain the most profit from a society that can no longer taste food and then how do they exploit that to make as much money as possible as quickly as possible exactly and does that then does that help you know as as we were just talking about like with global carbon emissions and our impact on the planet or is that an an incidental maybe that comes along with it right exactly although it's that that question that you have like who who benefits the most um that that would be a fun thing to 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 discuss like um interestingly the thing that popped to my mind was uh was glade air fresheners so if you can't taste things you can still smell stuff (laughs) yeah yeah who does stand to 
profit the most from this new development? That's something I hadn't really thought of until just now. Tofu manufacturers. Oh. So they don't have to flavor they're... it anymore. It's just raw. <laughs> <laughs> they, they finally hit the big time. Yeah. <laughs> uh I will I will counter that though and say I've had some delicious tofu dishes, and and that's fair. But like you you did but they something were delicious to it. because of what was with the tofu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> there's lots of cheese and marinara sauce involved. Yeah. Huh. And then um, there's another thing I thought of again going back to the generational thing, um, and, and also to the uh, the brain implants, um, like the. It makes me think that there would be like some industry, uh, and this this can go kind of dark if you think about it, but like like rich people would basically hire younger people who have taste buds to eat things so that they could experience them like through the brain <laughs> implant. <laughs> oh wow, like some neural link that yeah. lets them <laughs> that lets them experience what the younger person is eating. Yep. Ooh, food slaves. That's dark. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, you know the gig economy. Maybe I would eat some food for some people if I was in the younger generation. Yeah. Instead of <laughs> instead of delivering for Uber Eats, I'd just go to their house and eat something for them. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So that that re- brings up a question of range. Like it it would be more convenient if you could do it over the internet. <laughs> it's like no, you have to be on <laughs> yeah, the local absolutely. Wi-Fi. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh man, but if it's over the internet, then we're then we're probably literally talking food slaves in a warehouse somewhere. Oh yeah, just eating for for people all over the internet, which oh, is man. really really disturbing. Yes, that would be. I mean, there's the... already like those TikTok farms, right, where people are just in a warehouse performing on TikTok for hours on end. Yes, that, I hadn't heard about that. Just be eating. Yeah, I <laughs> I hadn't heard about that till like I think just now. Uh, I heard about the um the, like the gold farmers for games. They'd have like you know fifty phones farming gold from mobile apps and stuff. Um, oh sure, and then yeah. they resell those. They sell them in game or some some sort, or they trade them on the black market or something. Yeah, exactly. Because like you basically mm-hmm. tell someone, I need fifty thousand gold. I'll pay you this much per hour, uh, and right. and then that's what they do. Um, hmm. There's also one with it was like a crypto game, and then uh, and people were making. Uh, like forty to sixty thousand dollars a year, in countries where you normally make, you know, like ten grand a year. Um, sure. And then, of course, the bottom fell out of it, and then like everyone lost their money uh, because that's how crypto works. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Crypto, crypto is basically, um, you know, a rug movement factory. That's that's all it is. <laughs> I uh, I. At the beginning of the pandemic, I put like $200 in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And I just this morning got a notice. I think Bitcoin is back up to what it was when I put that $200 into it. <laughs> ah, yep. Yep. It's rallying <laughs> Finally, again. I've I, I broke even after this long. <laughs> yep. Although I love telling this story uh, and I don't have the picture of it, but there was um, this like local contest. Uh, I, I don't know if it was at a library or at a school, but it was like, first through third places were were regular you know decent prizes 
And I think the fourth place, like honorable mention, was like 100 Bitcoin. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> this is like in the early 2000s. So, right, yeah. Yep. I think I've heard that story or one very similar, yeah. Yep. And, <laughs> the, um, the, bringing it back to food, the person that spent, I don't know how many, 50 Bitcoin or whatever to get a pizza delivered because yes. it was... It was like the first person that could do that or the first company that offered that as an option, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Uh, and there was a guy who threw out his hard drive with his uh, hard-coded, you know, his hard wallet, whatever, in it. And mm-hmm. he tried to sue the town that owned the trash site um, to, to let him hire like 100 people to sift through it because mm-hmm. he had like, I think it was like $20 million worth of Bitcoin at the time. It- yeah, it was massive. I remember hearing about that. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. That's crazy. So what, bringing it back to our original topic, I guess, and, and because I happen to eat McDonald's today rushing to, to get here, uh, what happens to all of those, what happens to the fast food industry? Oh boy, yeah. Because the main incentive, right, is is it's cheap, it's fast, but it ultimately it's because it tastes good, right? McDonald's is as successful as they are because most people like the way it tastes. Yeah, I think at best they some of them will find a way into the vending machine industry. Um, McDonald's is screwed because, as like the CEO of McDonald's said, it's like we're not a food company. We're uh, a land ownership country, company uh, because like they lease out the land to all the franchisees and they have to right. buy everything through them and pay rent. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And if you don't need to get your supplies through McDonald's anymore, the branding no longer matters as much. Or maybe it still does. I mean, people are easily manipulated through marketing. Mm. Maybe the branding of your protein ball does matter right you want the one with the nice pretty orange and yellow lettering rather than the one with the brown lettering yeah i mean maybe it's sort of maybe they sort of take the route of like airlines like you get bonus miles you you know you get you get bonus calories you just stay in the system absolutely buy six balls from us and get the seventh protein ball free yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sunday's meals are covered. Yep. Oh, wow. Or everyone just gives up except for one restaurant and we have ourselves, you know, a Demolition Man Taco Bell situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. You had mentioned a book earlier where everyone uh, lost the ability to go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, have you read Blindness? Or do you yes. know of the book Blindness? And I've watched the movie. Um, have you watched the movie? I don't I don't think I did. I really enjoyed the book and have read it a couple times. It, it's been a long time. Um, but no, I don't think I ever saw the movie. Was it? Is it worth watching? The movie is like, I want to, it's like somewhere between 90 and 99% like the book. Okay. It, it is a very faithful recreation. Well, that's and, good. It's uh, a fantastic book. Yeah, I like the book. I hated the movie, though. I don't know why <laughs> I have that dichotomy mm. since they're the same thing. Sure. But I doubt that I would enjoy the movie much either because it's based on a book that I so thoroughly enjoyed. I just typically don't 
enjoy watching movies of, of books that I've liked. That's um, fair. But in, but in that book, everybody starts to go blind, but it happens slowly, right? Mm. A couple people here and there, and nobody really knows what's happening until it's kind of become apparent and it's overrun and the military gets involved. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, all sorts of dark things start happening. What if the we lost the ability to taste and it wasn't just overnight, like we woke up and everybody just couldn't taste anymore, but it was more gradual like that. Oh man. I think that might actually, that might actually be a more interesting scenario because in, in, in the first scenario, there's there's no deal uh, there's no like avoiding it it's just there and it's already happened before you're aware of it right. um well the question is would it spread like a disease or would it spread like geographically like it would just be like an ever-expanding bubble uh, right yeah either way either way you would be aware that it's coming for you at some point at some point it becomes uh, becomes apparent that it's going to affect everybody yeah oh man and if it hasn't affected you yet you're just waiting for it so you're probably gorging before that happens right yeah you, i'm putting on a hundred pounds easy i mean i'm just eating every chance i get <laughs> yeah it would be like a it would be like a toilet paper situation it's like well we've run out of all <laughs> yeah. the like global candy supplies have fallen to zero <laughs> right it, it is kind of an uh analogous is that that's the right word to yeah. um to covid right yeah because we are all kind of sitting in our bubbles waiting for it to eventually come into ours yeah ironically or maybe a or maybe you made you are, lose your I mean. sense of taste <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true that's funny i di i lost my sense of smell and uh i think because i lost my sense of smell my sense of taste was affected oh yeah but it, it only happened for like 36 hours but it was a weird experience yeah. and i know people have had it you know affect them for much longer than that yeah the thing is like interesting when i forget when like when did you end up getting covid like year wise uh i got covid last no this year uh in may in june of this year it was the uh, only time that i've had it okay so i'm i'm really not sure myself i've never had a covid test um mm -hmm. Because I spent most of my time alone during the whole thing anyway, and don't interact with people much anyway. Um, but in January of 2020, mm -hmm. I was in Las Vegas, and after I got back, I felt like absolute crap for like like almost a month. And I wonder if I was like a, a very early COVID case. I I would not be surprised if you were, and that actually reminds me in november of 2019 mm -hmm. for thanksgiving we had a friend come out from uh chicago to visit us mm -hmm. her and her uh husband and she was sick she got here and was sick immediately and we all figured it was you know you travel especially around the holidays you usually end up sick just from being in a plane right she was sick for about a month and then almost everybody that we had contact with in that week that she was here also got pretty sick for a week or two weeks or or even longer and this was before you know this was at the end of 2019 before we were aware that covid was a thing yet right and then yeah. i traveled in january of 2020 through 
the Seattle airport and came back and got pretty sick then. And again, you know, kind of aware that it was happening, but no testing or no, mm-hmm. you know, we, we weren't, I mean, what, it was March before we all became like really aware of what was the severity of it, right? Exactly. It was like maybe a dozen cases here, a dozen cases there. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. when you had to know who to test and testing was ridiculously hard back then. Right. So yeah, there had to be so many undocumented things. Yeah. And I'd be surprised if it wasn't making its way through the population way sooner than anybody said it was or, you know, or believes it was. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's funny thinking about the, the, I mean, it would be a pandemic, right? Of people losing their taste. Yeah. And correlating that to kind of what we all went through with, with yeah. the COVID pandemic, waiting for it to happen. When is it going to get me trying to come up with vaccines to prevent people from losing their taste? Yeah. People denying that they've lost their taste. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, these, these pickles are delicious. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I can still taste it. <laughs> Oh, that just made me, that just made me remember, this is totally off topic too, but on the COVID topic, the, um, the, uh, Yankee Candle review. Yes. uh, (laughs) Precursor. Yes. (laughs) Yankee Candle reviews start going down because people don't think they smell good means that COVID is, is ramping up again. (laughs) Yep. Oh, man. Oh, humans are so funny that way. Nope, can't possibly be that. It just they just smell worse now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love the fact that there are like these weird proxies. So that's a really good one. The Yankee Candle uh, alert system. Um, there's the uh, the Waffle House alert system. Have you heard of that? No. So no. in Florida and parts of the South, Waffle Houses are like everywhere, and mm-hmm. they're well known for being open through almost any weather. So, like, actual re- reporting agencies will call waffle houses in the affected area. And if they're closed, it's like, oh, no, this is serious. This is, this is a major hurricane going on. The waffle house is closed down. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, I'm on the East Coast. There's also something for us, which is the, uh, the French Toast Alert System, um, hmm. which is whenever there's, like, a nor'easter, you know, a powerful winter storm, uh, mm-hmm. People will stock up on like bread, milk, and eggs, which happen to be things that you can make French toast with. Okay. So it's like if the shelves are clear, it's like, oh no, we're we're at full French toast. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Oh, there's one other thing I thought of with the whole spreading, um, like mm-hmm. a pandemic. Um, that means that theoretically, the last people to lose their sense of taste would be people on the ISS. If it, yeah, if it indeed spreads, I guess, either geographically or via transmission, right? Right, because you'd have to cycle people out eventually. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it would really mess with people um, from, a, from like, you know, a personal or religious standpoint. It's like, wait, the people up there lost, but there's, there's <laughs> no way to physically connect. Uh-huh. And of course, oh, the conspiracy theories. It, it's like, no, it's spread over Wi-Fi because they have a satellite connection. <laughs> right. And the ultimate irony that the astronauts are the last ones to lose their their sense of taste, but they're eating probably the worst tasting food. Yep. 
they're eating the food that all of us are going to be eating after we lose our taste anyway right it's, it's right engineered to last forever not need refrigeration not expire and get you the necessary nutrients that you need yeah that's funny that's a good point and uh <laughs> it turns out astronauts already have a diminished sense of taste because of how like fluids in their nasal system and the rest of their body uh settle differently mm. so it's like you have a constant head cold when you're in space yeah that makes sense i mean even just flying on an airplane mm -hmm. right things don't taste as good and all of your sinuses get backed up and stuff like that yeah man the ultimate irony they're eating what everybody's going to be eating in 20 years and they're the last ones to be able to taste it yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh man what else i think we covered everything that i'd kind of been thinking about the last couple days um yeah yeah it feels like a natural conclusion you know conspiracy the theories in space yeah <laughs> yeah that's a that's a great place um yeah this was really fun this was really really fun yeah i, I really enjoyed this um i like the the variety of people that i've had on i hope at some point to have a woman on because it's been men like 100 mm -hmm. so a little a little bit of extra variety um so we um we have one like end section that we do uh which is plugging um basically other podcasts that that basically do this job better than we do um <laughs> if you don't i mean if you have podcast ideas great uh if not you know feel free to shout out any other online content creator um but i'll go first if you don't mind go ahead um, so I do, I'm, I'm, I'm too plugged in to the internet nowadays and, and current events. Um, but one of the podcasts that I listen to is uh, a weekly podcast. Uh, it's called uh, the I Doubt It podcast. And you know how like, like right, right wing people have like um, radio hosts across, you know, middle America that are somewhat bombastic. Um, <laughs> this guy, he is left wing and so is his co-host um jesse dalmore and Brittany page uh are the people on it and um they have that sort of like th they're genuine but they definitely have that over the top uh like phrasing of things like um he also has uh, a youtube channel and every time he has to read a statement from the former president he basically uh uses like uh after effects to make his head grow like a like a red tomato as he as he like reads out statements uh, mm -hmm. which is which is always amusing uh, but they cover you know as you would expect politics um, so so they're they're mine so far there are like over 800 episodes so they've been around uh, how nice. about you uh, I'll be perfectly honest I do not listen to a lot of podcasts I will listen to this one uh, but <laughs> perfect <laughs> and, and everybody should uh, but I guess if you've made it this far then I'm not doing much help there uh, I, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts as a matter of fact the only podcast I listened to it, on my Spotify wrapped was uh, the It's Always Sunny podcast which is hilarious and if you like It's Always Sunny um, it's very funny but uh, no, I, I spend most of my listening time um, listening to music. Um, if I could plug a, a band, I could I could do that. Yeah, sure. I'll put that and uh, the band uh, together in the notes. Um, 
a band that is uh, kind of up and coming and actually just announced this morning that they are touring and coming back to the West Coast and coming to uh, Oregon, where I'm from, mm-hmm. uh, is List Special, all one word, L-E-S-P-E-C-I-A-L. Mm. Uh, they're a trio, they're prog rock, kind of metal, Primus influenced, but also uh, sort of electronic and uh, very danceable. Um, their main thing is getting hippies to mosh. Nice. Nice. So they're kind of on the jam band scene, but a, a little tangent off that and, and uh, great fun. And they have a new album out that's really good. Ah, great. Well, I will add them to the show notes. And um, so now I guess it's time for the, the outro stuff that we usually do. I'm trying to get better at asking people to leave reviews on you know their prospective podcasting apps. Uh, Apple has that. Uh, Spotify does. Uh, I, I should look up and see if uh, Google does until they disappear next year uh, because Google loves killing products. Um, mm. And uh, we actually, uh, it won't be announced yet because the last episode hasn't gone live yet. Um, but we, as a podcast, have uh, an email address. It's uh, that.hypotheticals.podcast at gmail.com. So if anybody wants to say words to us, um, I'll share it with the fellow hosts because I'm not putting it on my phone and I don't have share credentials. So, um, so yeah, that, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody and, uh, have a good night or other time, you know, thanks so much for having me, Rob.